where nobody knows your name is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. Hello and welcome to Where Nobody Knows Your Name. I'm John. And I'm James. We are very British. <laughs> <laughs> the accents slipped you by. It's a slight disclosure. Two British children? Young adults. Young adults. Talking about a programme set in America before they were born. One of us remembered the name of the bar. Some might say we're a bit like time travellers. A bit. Not much. Well, you know. And this is episode one. How about a beer, Chief? Yes, it is. And today we'll be discussing the pilot episode, perhaps unsurprisingly, which is called Give Me a Ring Sometime, first broadcast in 30th of September 1982. Oh, it's like radio. Some delicious facts there, James. Delicious facts. Delicious. Mm. Snack on those facts. There's not a catchphrase. You can't can't take this. (laughs) Snack on those facts. And it was written by Glenn and Les Charles, the Charles brothers. The Charles brothers. The Charles brothers, indeed. Introduction of characters. A lot of the characters introduced here, we have Diane, Sumner. Sumner Sloan. You can forget about him for a bit. Yep, just forget he exists. Not important. Don't forget at all, because he may come back. He may come back. We'll describe what happens in the episode. So, Diane Chambers, she arrives at Cheers Bar, wants to get a drink with her fiancé. To celebrate their engagement. Exactly. But Sumner, in order to get his engagement ring, goes to his ex-wife to get the engagement ring for Diane. However, it's not as straightforward as they had planned. It never is, is it? Never. But she does get to meet Sam there, your boy Ted Danson. I always remember Cheers as a very sort of light-hearted comedy, but it's very sad. It's a very sad episode. Yeah, it's quite tragic for Diane. For everyone involved. This is the night before my wedding, and I'm in the middle of a sweat contest. <laughs> yeah, movie sweat. Movie sweat. Most romantic of all discussions. Pretty sure Rocky was up there. Rocky was up there. Body Heat was there. Interestingly, Ted Danson was in Body Heat, oh. which is why the camera cuts to him when it's mentioned. Self-promotion. Yeah. That's very interesting. It is interesting. Uh, what do you think is the sweatiest movie made? Oh. Contemporary. Contemporary sweat. Perhaps Fifty Shades of Grey should have been in there. No, James, I've never watched that. I've seen the trailer and that's enough for me. <laughs> that was enough sweat. That was, that was too much sweat. <laughs> Far too much sweat. I, I was going, you know what? It's uh, it's not cool hand Luke Sumner. It's uh, If you were still around, it would have been Fifty Shades of Grey. That's my opinion. You can keep that opinion. To yeah. yourself. We've got Michael Maguire as Sumner Sloan. Give me some, some of those tasty facts, James. Well, I looked into what he'd done. He seems to have a lot of guest roles. From what I could gather, he wasn't particularly known for a specific role, but he was a big character actor. Do you know, I actually had a look and um, they were specifically got unknown people for the majority because they didn't want to cast. Yes. Yes, it was only Coach, I think, mm. who was known. Let's have a quick talk about How About a Beer Chief? Now, this was our introduction to the bar, and it sort of set the tone really well, where it said, this is going to be an everyday bar. A vet here? Vietnam. A Vietnam, Vietnam veteran. Where war is gross. War is gross. That's that's what they say about war. That's such a good opening, because it just really sets the tone really well, where you know exactly... And it's, it's quite accessible, I felt. As a, as a young child myself. Uh, well, <laughs> let's not tell anyone about my childhood. Uh, <laughs> but obviously, we didn't know the characters... But what people probably were aware of was underage drinkers trying to get alcohol. And I felt trying to introduce the show to an Mm. audience, that was quite the smart move. But it was a really good sort of setup because the persistence of the child was great. How about an ID? An ID? Uh, 
<laughs> That's very flattering. Wait till I tell the missus. I just thought that was such a good setup when it's so well written that that as a cold intro just perfectly set the scene and you knew exactly who your main character was, I guess. You could tell from the off it was the bartender, Sam. Who's a wise guy. It's not just Sam who fills out this show. Regulars such as Norm. Mm. Norm! Norm! Carla, the sassy waitress. Sassy? She is sassy. She doesn't take anybody's... Whoa, James, this is a PG podcast. She doesn't take anybody's shenanigans. Nonsense. None of their nonsense. Fun fact for you, James. There's a uh, elderly lady in the back of the bar. And uh, she was actually going to be a sort of old spinster character who was going to be recurring. But she was cut. She was called Mrs. Littlefield. So how would you feel if you were in a sitcom, but you were cut? And not only were you cut from one episode, but your whole future of your career was kind of cut short. Would you cry, James? I don't know. However, <laughs> this has... I've heard of this happening on other sitcoms, and it has particularly happened with older actors, mm. quite often because in sitcoms, what went on in production was they thought they needed older, wiser character. But they didn't. But they had coach, sort of. Oh, but wiser character. Wiser, they had an older character. He, he was of moral support to Sam, at least, mm. coach. My second question, what kind of barfly would you be? If you were in the back of Cheers, what would you be? This may not surprise you, but I did a which Cheers character are you? And I got Cliff, which, you know, he's awkward around the ladies, but he knows trivia, and I think that nails me to a T. <laughs> but do you love the postal service as much as he does? That's the, that's the main thing. I'm a fan of the postal service. I wouldn't say I'm as much of an advocate as he is. Yet. Yet. What I found interesting about this episode particularly is that despite it being 60th out of 63 shows hmm. airing, it did win an Emmy for Outstanding Writing in a Comedy Series in 1983. And I think that's quite inspirational. I think that's something which I saw as well, was that the initial sort of take on it was very, not, not negative, but just unappreciated. Obviously, now it's a huge, influential cornerstone of sitcom. But when it's initial, here's our show. It didn't take as much. But I think that growth really built in the character development. And this episode really gives you a really good in-depth insight into a lot of the characters, their motivations. And even characters who were very minimal became icons. One of the things I noticed from this episode was how clever the writing was. And mm. I think this is down to the Charles brothers. They created Cheers. Burroughs directed this episode, he directed this pilot episode, and he had come from Taxi, and the crew from Taxi, some of them went on to do Cheers. And I think what was evident in the pilot was just the wit mm. of the writing, and one of the most clever lines was how they told someone that one of the characters was a recovering alcoholic. Well, if you were so good, why aren't you still playing? I developed an elbow problem. I uh, bent it too much. <laughs> I thought that was a very clever way of displaying pathos of that character. The way that it was read, it wasn't an obvious thing all the time. And it was, the subtleties is what made the show so engaging. It was a way of disguising what could be quite sort of depressing and negative scenarios in the form of a sitcom. And when we look at the actual episode here, it's set up quite an educated female who's about to get married, or so she thinks. And then ultimately she gets trapped in a job, a job that she thinks she's above because ultimately she's failed by the system she's been part of because she's got lured into a marriage which someone never really wanted her. It's a very mature theme to address in the first 
episode of a sitcom. And I felt Cheers did address those themes very well throughout its run. And I felt that in this episode particular, they let you know that this isn't going to be your average run-of-the-mill feel-good sitcom is going to have heartfelt moments. It's going to have pathos. And late in the episode, we get the pivotal line of the series. (laughs) I'm probably going to regret this, but you could work here. From then, we know this is the setup these contrasting personalities. I think, again, as well, like that, that offer's put on the table initially is a snob to it, in, yes. in quotations. It's that kind of setup that she knows she's kind of above it, or thinks she's kind of above it, ultimately looks at her paths and knows that this is the one that she can take. And that's kind of addressed in how she remembers all of these drinks. It's a very well-written way to address how this is kind of her path going forward and how she is made for this path, and that maybe Sam is her new option in all of this, and how that relationship will develop over a few seasons. But it's a really nice sort of opening to that, and you get to understand the character's reluctance to the story. With that sort of resilience to what's going to happen, you get a much more interesting narrative build, and you sort of become more engaged with what these characters are going to do, because ultimately they don't want to do what they're about to do. There's that inner conflict there Mm. where Sam hires her out of pity, I suppose, more than anything else. Opportunity. He requires Mm. a waitress and maybe he does feel sorry for her and she needs a job. So it's convenient, but neither of them are necessarily happy with Mm. that arrangement. One thing that I noticed in the episode, which felt uncomfortable upon later viewings, is... When Diane was either just sitting by as a fellow customer, reading her book, or when she was working as a waitress, there was a lot of pressure on her and almost verbal harassment from Norm and Cliff and other barflies. In 2019, isn't comfortable to watch. I think that's something which, you know, the show is wary of its time and that doesn't make it right. But it's, yeah, it's the hindsight of looking at it now and seeing that some of the ways the characters that we all know and love act are very against what we would deem appropriate now. And I think that's a really interesting way to look at these programmes now and actually see how it doesn't quite line up with how you imagine it in your head thinking about the episode. So I think that'd be a really interesting thing moving forward in this podcast series, which will have many, many episodes because Cheers goes on forever. It's... Where everybody knows your name. your name. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's quite sweet. It is quite sweet. But I guess we're on to a little bit of trivia. Cliff Clavin trivia time. I've got three questions. You're trying to show me up. I've got two. I'll start then and we can alternate. Yep. I don't think I'll have any answers. My first question is Sam plays for the Red Sox. I thought that was going to be the, the question. Which team? But I was thinking, the Red Sox. Sam plays for the Red Sox or used to play for the Red Sox. But in the original draft of the script, which team did Sam play for before it was changed to the Red Sox? He was originally a football player. American football. I didn't say which sport, which team. So, an American football team? I'm not going to give you the answer for this. I think that's half a point. I don't know the answer, James. It was uh, the New England... I'd love to tell you. The the New England Patriots was who Sam played for. It was on the tip of my tongue. I'll tell you what, James, you will not get this one. What age did the fake military ID state he was? Well, I well, need to do some maths here. What kind of podcast is this? It would have said he was 37 or 38, depending of what month he was born. He was 38? 
What do you mean, depending what month he was? Because one of my questions for you, which name and year of birth were written on the fake military ID? Well, I don't need to answer that. <laughs> what is this, the Spanish Inquisition? <laughs> I don't think you really get the point there. You did maths, you didn't know. You had written notes and you just did maths, James. I'll reveal the answer for the listeners, though, in case they were interested. I'm sure they are. On the military ID... It was written, First Sergeant Walter Keller, born 1944. How do you expect me to get that? Won't you watch the episode? I watched the episode. I didn't remember the episode. (laughs) James? Yes. What does Diane's first customer say to her? We have lost our luggage. Please call the police. So close. Where is police? We have lost luggage. Sorry, James. That's Nilpois. No No points. You got, well, depending on whether you get this last question, right, you may get unpoir. <laughs> Which real pub is the set of Cheers inspired by? Cheers. That's the name of the pub. In Cheers. Boston per- Cheers. Boston Cheers is the name of the actual pub in real life. Is that your final answer? Yes. I'll give you a point for that because... Originally, before the show started, it was called the Bull and Finch Pub. However, from 2002, it has been rebranded as the Cheers Pub. I'm not sure if I get a point then. In Boston, because it is now called the Cheers Pub. It wasn't based off the 2002 pub. But the pub was called Bull and Finch, and they just changed the title. If you want to give me a point, I'll I'll give you a point for that, because because you saw through my cunning ruse. Looks looks like I'm winning. With a point. A point. For now. I think ultimately this opening episode is much like our own opening episode. It gives you an idea of the characters involved, the crazy scenarios they'll get into. That's about it. We may have low ratings, but hopefully we'll get more viewers as time goes along. This is going to get 10 million. You've been listening to Where Where Nobody Nobody Knows knows Your your name. Name.